All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Tuesday, January 9th of 2024. Here, looking ahead, we have a five-game NBA slate as well as a 10-game hockey slate. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at Saber Sim. This is a show where we go over how to use the Saber Sim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at sabersim.com. Second, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description of this video. You get access to our similar channels, individual sport channels, and access to the rest of the Sabersim team here. So can't say enough good things about the Discord. But with that said, we're going to jump right in here. Uh, going to get the app pulled up and start with questions that came in in the Discord, as always. And if you guys have questions, you can always put them in the queue, and we will uh, be able to get to them from there. So first question here from Press came in last night. Question says, is it a good idea to utilize 5% of my bankroll into each and every slate, including early afternoon, main, and every single showdown? I've been doing it for a month now, and I've been profiting every time by the end of the day, but I'm not sure if I'm hurting myself in the long run. So it looks like my man Shady Advice jumped in a little bit here. Um, so so not to get this confused, uh, you know, the 5%, the 2.5% to 5% range comes from the DFS profit plan, which is good. Glad to hear you're following that. But that is for all correlated slates combined. So what I would not do as an example tonight for NBA, I would not go put 5% of my bankroll into the main slate, 5% of my bankroll into the night slate, 5% into each of these showdowns, and then I end up playing 30% of my bankroll overall. What I would do is put 5% of my bankroll across all of these slates combined because these games overlap onto multiple slates. Like, uh, whatever the night game is, you know, probably this this 5.30 game, you know, both of these games really, even the Laker game is on the main slate today. But both of those games are going to be in the night slate. You know, there there's also, you know, in the showdowns here, the 7.30 and the 5.30, I'm on the West Coast here. So, you know, I, I don't want to have, you know, 5% on each individual slate. That's a lot of risk. I want to do 5% total. So remember, it's correlated slates. Definitely an important clarification there. So glad that you brought it up. Next question. Question says, been using this product for a couple of days. My post-sim ROIs are consistently positive, especially when I do not try to mess with exposures. Basically, I just feel like my lineups are too chalky. What are some ways to revise your lineups to get less chalky constructions? Or should I trust the Sims? I'm hesitant to use Sabres and Projections, build, run contest Sims, and then just change uniques, and I'm done. It can't be that easy, can it? Okay, this is a good question. You know, this is a uh, this is a mindset that a lot of people have to work out of here, coming from other tools and optimizers to SaberSim. You know, a lot of other tools, you know, it's just an optimizer. You have to put in all these rules, groups, um, all of these guide rails to try and be, uh, try, and, try and create lineups that are... Uh, you know, have a good chance of taking down your contest. You know, SaberSim is a smart optimizer. It is building your lineups with upside taken into account right out of the gate. You do not need to set rules and groups to get lineups that have stacking components, that have correlation, and sports where correlation is important. 
where uh, players have upside. It's not just solving a knapsack problem, trying to fit in as many projected points as possible through our play-by-play simulations, through the way that we randomly sample the simulation database each and every time we build your lineup. We're able to take these things into account for you here. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, just click the button and print money. That's not what I'm saying. You know, there are definitely ways to add value to SaberSim, but what I would focus on really is, you know, are there situations where you can add value? And number two is, I think you're doing the right thing here by studying your post-SIM ROIs. I think what you could do is an experiment here where it's like, say your post-SIM ROIs are like 50%. And, you know, for, for whatever reason, I'm not going to question your reasoning here, you know, about why you feel your lineups are too chalky and you want to get to less chalky constructions. Well, hey, you can go and do that. That's completely fine. See how your lineups grade out when you do that. And then if your SIM ROIs are coming in higher, hey, you're on the right track. If your SIM ROIs are coming in lower, hey, maybe that wasn't a good value add and maybe I need to take that away and try to add value a different way. So I am a firm believer there's ways to add value to the app here, help your SIM ROIs to be higher, more positive, et cetera here. Uh, you might just have to trial and error a little bit and like that's okay. The good thing is that you're starting from a good baseline. You already have a high positive SIM ROI. So that is the baseline that you're working with. And you can just go up or down from there and figure out what's working, what's not. But at least you know, hey, I'm, I'm starting from this good, solid place. So that's the way I would approach it. All right. Question from Hammer. Does it make sense to make PGA builds for a separate contest, 150, 23, et cetera, like we do for other sports, given that there is no correlation slider? Is there any real edge? Um, good question. So, you know, the only really time it makes sense to adjust or do multiple builds is if the sliders change. That's typically why we suggest doing single entry and three max and then a separate build for 20 max and 50 max because the sliders are a little bit different. But if you're in golf here, right? And then you go to 150 max, uh, 10 to 50 K, you know, if, if you change this to three max and it, it doesn't move or doesn't move significantly here, then I think it's okay to leave it. Like all these single entry, three max, 20 max are all sim diversity eight. And the only one different is 150 max. You know, I'm, I'm not opposed to just building them all together here. I think that's like completely fine. Uh, just with the small slider change here. So you can definitely build, you know, in, in two builds still, that's like uh, our optimal strategy based on our DFS profit plan. But I think it's okay to, to adjust it based on a sport by sport basis. So I don't have any problem with building them all together in this example. All right. Next question. What slate will be used for the players who play all 18 weeks in the mini max challenge? Good question. So for our entry end of the season, free roll, uh, we're still setting it up here, guys. You, know, you should still be getting an email with all the instructions and link to join the contest and all of those things. I believe as of right now, you know, don't quote me on it, but it's going to be the Sunday three game slate is when we're going to do the free roll here. All right, question from Michael. I'm going to break it down into portions here just for easy reading. Question says, in NBA, do you think it could be detrimental to late swap when there is very little live data available and thus maybe more noise than data and subject to unreliable extrapolation? Okay, so, and then he gives an example here. Um, let's go step by step. 
So the example here is take an example where one of the first games to tip off has Joel Embiid. Embiid plays the entire first quarter, has 30 fantasy points, and Philly is up by 15 real points. My sense from running the live sim is that the Sims think he is now likely to have 75 points with a chance of 80 or 90%. Your ROI is dead if you don't have him and build accordingly. But actually, since he played the first 12 minutes, he's probably going to be on the bench for most of the second quarter. And when you factor in blowout risk, you're not at all dead. And if you don't have him, if there are no big injury changes, I have been tending not to swap between 7 and 7.30 tip-offs. Thoughts? And sorry for the long question. No worries, man. Okay, so this is a good question. So um, I do want to say that the sim understands this. And the reason the sim understands this is because we still have data for the entire game. We have our projections for the entire game. So we know like, hey, you know, let's say that we're expecting Embiid to play like 35 minutes. Well, if he plays 12 minutes in the first quarter, we're not going to just, oh, he played 12 minutes in the first quarter. You know, that means he's going to play 12 minutes in every quarter. And now he's going to play 48 minutes in the entire game. We're not going to do that. So we do understand like, hey, you know, this guy played early. Hey, there's still opportunity for him to, you know, sit and rest and then, you know, kind of kind of go from there. So we're definitely – um being careful with, you know, how we're projecting players, uh, how much to play, how that changes throughout the game. But we still understand like, Hey, you know, this guy should play around this much time. Um, if that changes, you know, I'd say like probably, uh, you know, by halftime, maybe that gets like weighted a little bit differently where it's like, okay, you know, we're through an entire half, you know, what are we seeing? What, what change? What's not, what's a score, what's a blow at risk, all those things. So, I wouldn't worry about I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, the sim is going to be able to take that into account pretty well here. Um, from there, you know, I do want to make one note. You know, uh, do I think it can be detrimental to late swap? No, I don't. Um, I'll be honest. You know, I, I've, I'm pretty okay, like not swapping in the first window as well, just because there's like, just because these games start so late. Like, you know, tip off could be. You know, uh, I'm on the West Coast, so slate locked is at four. So, you know, tip off is like four ten. you know, could be even like a couple minutes after that. Like we might be, you know, by the time this next game locks, you know, we might be like five to seven minutes into the game. And if there's no news, I might just skip this window and then wait for the next window. So I, I don't think it's wrong to, you know, wait to do a late swap. I think that's okay. It's totally up to you. I don't think it'll be detrimental to you. I don't think that, you know, I don't think that so much can happen in the first five minutes, barring like some huge injury where it's going to like drastically change the slate, unless some news breaks for, from a later game. So that's like really what I'm thinking about. But um, so those are my opinions on the question, but good question overall. All right. This looks like two questions here. First one, if there are no big injury changes, I have been tending not to swap no, no, wrong one. Okay, can someone uh, school school me on uniques and then should I, you aim for lower ownership? Okay, so two questions here. So the first one is mini uniques. Great question. So I'm just going to run some builds here. Kick something off so we have some lineups to work with while I jump into this. So what mini uniques are, mini uniques are a tool to guarantee diversity between the lineups that you're playing. So if you are building lineups for a 20 max and your mini uniques is set to one, there are eight players in a DraftKings NBA lineup. So that means 
that all of your lineups must have at least one player different from one another. So they can share seven players, but have one different. Well, the reason that this tool is important is because SaberSim does not understand risk management very well. It is a tool that, that is trying to build you high upside lineups, but it doesn't understand risk very well. So that's where human intervention comes very well into play here. That's where what your job is, in my opinion, is to manage the risk of your lineup sets that you're building. So in this example, you know, we have five play four players over 85%. Sabersim is identifying them as good plays. They probably fit well together in lineups and allow for other pieces to be added. So, you know, this is like the, the core that Sabersim has identified is like a good, strong play. Well, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about having two players at 100% ownership in your lineup. It might be a little too much risk for you, right? So by coming in here and using this tool of many uniques, you're going to make the builder start to make hard decisions about what it wants to do. The builder clearly wants to play these guys at a very high rate. But when I come in here and say, okay, hey, I want to make sure that at least two players are different from every other lineup in my set of 20. I want to make sure that three players are different. Now the builder starts having to make sacrifices about who to move around, who to change. And in this example, you know, it seems like uh, one thing that, that I'm seeing here is that it really wants to play Vince Williams. It thinks Vince Williams is a very strong play. It's moving all the other pieces around him rather than moving him specifically. So here we see Vince Williams at 95% um, at a mini Nixa four. Some of these other guys moved down, like Killian Hayes went from 100% down to 65. Uh, who else moved? Marcus Smart and Boucher. It still likes Marcus Smart. It still likes Boucher at a little bit of a lower value. You know, these guys are at 65% and 70 as opposed to 85 plus. But it, um, but, but these are, you know, what's going to happen. You're going to put the builder in a little bit of a strain where it's going to have to make some sacrifices and ultimately bring these exposures down or almost you know, identify to you, Hey, this is the player that I really like and that I really want to play. Uh, so you can gain some insight from there, but ultimately, you know, one of the best things that you could have is a neutrally correlated set of lineups that all have, uh, that are all, you know, similar expected value because when one lineup does bad, that, that in theory, you know, has less of an effect on your, on your other lineups in your contest. So what you're going to see here is rather than your lineups being clumped in your contest standings, all on one side, all on the other, all in the middle, you know, they're going to be more spread out through the contest standings. And you're going to actually be able to visually see that by viewing the contest, like on the DraftKings app or something like that. Second question was, should you aim for lower ownership? Uh, I, I would say you don't have to, you know, uh, SaberSim is going to build you, you know, lineups, with up to ownership taken into account, if you're using Saber score, uh, if you're using contest sims, it's using the field lineups and the field lineups create the ownership projections. So, um, you know, I don't think that you like purposely need to, I think that Saber sim is working it in at a rate that makes sense, but you definitely uh, could, if you wanted to. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to, you know, increase your Saber score. Like if you're playing on Saber score, 100 to 1k entries, you know, the, the ownership weight is going to be higher if you go to like small slate 50k plus weight and uh, take that into account. But I don't think it's something that you like actively need to seek out. All right. Good question so far. Jumping over to the YouTube chat. Thomas said, how do I get better ceiling lineups in NBA? Most of the time I get somewhat consistent floor lineups. Uh, what you can do here is change your sorting metric probably. So you could go and sort by your lineup percentile. So this percentile option 
uh, you know, use 99th percentile. What this is going to do, it's going to show you, hey, you know, in 1% of Sims, this lineup scores 339.7 points. So basically what's happening is we are building your lineup and then we're going back into the Sims and we're saying, hey, how did this combination of eight players do across all the Sims that we used to create this lineup? And then from there, we're going to say, oh, we're going to basically create a lineup distribution. And then we're going to be able to look at all of the different percentiles here. So nine, one one percent of the time it's scoring 339 points. You know, if I want to look at 95th, five percent of the time it's scoring 321. This this top lineup is right. So this is, you know, basically shooting for upside at all costs, not taking into account some projection, not taking into account ownership and strictly sorting by upside, which is uh, what you said you were looking for. So you could try that out. All right. Question from Derek for contest review, SIM ROI, are Saber SIM projections used or players actual scores? Uh, good question. So we're using that, the projections. So the way that the contest flashback works is that we take a single game simulation from each game on the slate. We play that out. We were, we assign an ROI for each lineup and then we do that a hundred thousand times. So the, the difference between the pre contest SIM and the post contest SIM is that the pre-contest sim is using our field lineups and there are 10,000 field lineups. And these are our projected field lineups, what we think the field is going to play. Now, when we do the post-contest sim, we're actually using all the lineups from the contest that were actually played. So we're seeing the actual lineups that were played. We're seeing how many lineups that were played and we're running them all through the contest sim. So the field lineups for Classic Slate right now are 10,000 field lineups. But if your contest has, you know, 20,000, well, in the post-contest, we're using all 20,000 lineups when running in and returning those SIM ROIs. So if I were to trust anything, I would trust the post-contest SIM ROIs even more. Thomas said, can you explain my metric? Uh, yeah, so on the pro and ultimate plans, you have the ability to create custom metrics. And if you create one, my metric is the default name. So if I were to go in here and say, you know, my projection, some value. So what I'm doing is I'm recreating the projected score here, um, which is it's rounded here in projected score 279.0. And then in my metric, it's 278.95. So it looks like it's it's to another decimal place here. But uh, but that's what I'm doing. So it's just the default name for the contest sim here. And then if I wanted to, I could come in here when I do it and change it or I can update it, et cetera. So um, you can also trash them by hovering over here on the right. Their trash icon should pop up and you can trash it. But all right, looks like we're all caught up with questions in both the Discord and the YouTube chat. Appreciate you guys tuning in as always. And we will be right back here tomorrow, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern for our next show. So until then, everybody, take care. Good luck. I'll see you all. Thanks. Bye.